Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are talking about The Craft from 1996. Directed by Andrew Fleming, written by Andrew Fleming and Peter Filardi, starring Robin Tunney, Faruza Bach, Rachel True, and Nev Campbell. And in this film, when Sarah Bailey moves to a new town, she begins a tumultuous relationship with a small coven of witches that will test her powers as a witch and as a human. And I picked this because I'm not sure if I've ever revisited it after sneaking into it as a 7th grader on my first boy-girl visit to the movie theater. Ooh, that sounds like there's a hot story in there. (laughs) That was the way I envisioned it going in, but (laughs) that is not how it turned out. Is this one of the things like where you made uh, your parents dropped you off and then their parents dropped them off and you guys secretly met up here? Yep, yeah. It was like a group of boys and a group of girls. Oh, okay, okay. Were all was everyone like on a date or was the whole thing a setup just for like two people? No, it was just like a group, but I think everybody had somebody they they had their eye on. Nice, nice, good times. Yeah, I can't remember. We bought a ticket to something. I wish I knew what it was now, and then snuck into this. Nice, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, th- this one it was PG thirteen, right? No, it it was. R. It should have oh. been PG-13. They basically were going about it the entire time as if it would be given a PG-13, but it was given an R simply because it was teenage girls practicing witchcraft. No kidding. That's why it was rated R? That was the decision that I saw, the reasoning that I saw, which makes sense. There's nothing in here that should give this an R. I know. Yeah, watching it t- totally feels PG-13. But what was so offensive about teenage girls practicing witchcraft that would make it R? Oh. Just the times? Yeah, I guess it's um, offensive to religious sensibilities. Yeah, wow. All right. Yeah. I guess you know where the MPAA stands now on those kind of things. <laughs> right, at least yeah. where they did back then. Hey, yeah. um, what's your experience with this movie? Was this your first time? Yeah, it was my first time. Uh, I think, you know, I somebody like this was on my radar when it came out, but uh, either I can't tell if it, I, I wasn't interested or maybe it was that R rating that kept me uh, away from it and, and not really accessible to it. So, right. yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, uh, I was amazed that like I've gone this long without seeing it and such a cult following behind it, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. There really is. Yeah, it's crazy. And I also thought this came after Scream, but it, it's, it was the same year, which is amazing. Same year. Boy, I can't remember which came... Was it this one first and then Scream later in the fall? I think Scream was in the fall. Oh, and yeah. this was in sense. May. Got it. Yeah. And then you, you have like two of the same actors in both of those. Yeah, Nev Campbell and Skeet Ulrich in both of them. Crazy. So did you see this on your first viewing boy-girl situation or did you watch it by yourself? <laughs> I watched it by myself, but for context, uh, I think my wife was actually a huge fan of this film when it came out. So uh, I had to ask her a number of times why. So uh, <laughs> Just just like so kind of get that perspective, because I, I, I think this movie uh, is something that was very relevant to the times and like its impact. Uh, it, I, I don't know what, what your thoughts are going to be in terms of how uh, it holds up today, but curious to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a time capsule of the 90s in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like in a good, all the good things of the 90s or the worst parts uh, of the 90s? A mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, sure. Mixed bag. Um, sure. Before we proceed, listeners, if you're new to the show, we're going to discuss some spoiler-free background info on the movie for the first 15 or 20 minutes or so here. But once you hear the musical interlude, that means we're entering spoiler territory. So that would be the time to duck out if you haven't seen this movie. 
And at that point, we'll run through the plot with our own commentary and we'll review the movie and give it a zero to five rating. Um, he's trying to hit more witches movies on this podcast. I think yeah, we're, we're slowly getting there, building up the I, stock. Yeah, it seems like we've seen uh, like a few in like the past few months, right? Uh, yeah, I feel like re- recently we checked another uh, witch movie off the box. I can't, <laughs> the I can't one even we- remember now. Oh, well, there's the one that we can't actually say is a witch movie because it's kind of a spoiler, right? Right, yep. That's the one I might be thinking of. <laughs> and then there was uh, The Wretched, too, right? Oh, yeah. Kind of witchy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this recently had a remake, The Craft Legacy. I guess it was technically a soft reboot slash sequel, if you're keeping mm-hmm. up with what all those things mean. Um, <laughs> that was released in October of 2020, and it's got a 49% critic on Rotten Tomatoes and 29% user. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's pr- pretty low. Uh, same individuals involved in that one? No, but I think there were some cameos. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, as far as I know, I haven't researched that one too much, though. Um, yeah. You know, by comparison, this one doesn't have that much higher of a critic score, so The Craft Legacy has a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes, and The Craft from 1996 has a 55%. Mm, yeah. That's not much higher, but a 65% from users, and the Metacritic score is 55, too. I'm ditching sure. IMDb and Letterboxd because every single movie on there is like 6.5 and 3.5. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gets the different. U- useless information. So, so the user score went from 65 on the original down to 29 on the remake or on Correct. the legacy? Oh, okay. Correct, yeah. That's quite a drop. Yeah. Um, and the budget for the craft original was $15 million. Box office was $55.6 million, so... All those boy girl parties were were bringing in the cash. That's huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big profit. Mm -hmm. Um, This was scored by Graham Ravel, who also did From Dusk Till Dawn, The Crow, Sin City, Bride of Chucky, and Freddy vs. Jason. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and uh, I know we'll talk about the score later and stuff. Did you see the soundtrack for this film? (laughs) <laughs> the soundtrack is one of the things that makes it a time capsule of the 90s. <laughs> yeah. It's like every, all the who's who's of the 90s, like Our Lady Peace, Sponge, yep. Jewel, Elastica. Letters to Cleo, Space Hog. Right. <laughs> and quite a few of them were covers, pretty bad covers. Terrible covers. <laughs> yeah. Even like, like I like I liked Our Lady Peace a lot and still like their first few albums. But yeah. that cover of that Beatles song is pretty bad. I know, I know. And the movie like opens with it. It's it's terrible. It's uh, a bad way to start off. It is, it is. It, you know, I, I didn't realize it was a cover. I recognized the guy's voice. Like, oh, shoot, it's this is Our Lady Peace. This is awesome. Uh, and then the song like goes terrible. So is the original Beatles version a lot better? Yeah, yeah, it is. And now I can't remember the name of the song. Oh, I got it up here. It's uh, Tomorrow Never Knows. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, I'll still listen to the original. But yeah, the, the cover was terrible. And then... Yeah, I got really excited when I heard uh, How Soon Is Now starting to play, and then it was like this cover version, which wasn't too great. <laughs> Damn. Um, did something, something appeared off to me to Robin Tunney the entire movie, mm-hmm. and she had shaved her head for Empire Records and was wearing a wig throughout this whole movie. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Does yeah. that explain like the effect that you see her do later? I think, yeah, that was probably pretty easy because it was one wig to another wig when she <laughs> changes the color of her hair as a magic trick to show the yeah. ladies her powers. Oh, man, that's clever. Yeah. That worked out pretty well. Um, And 
Rachel True, who appeared a lot as like a talking head in that horror noir documentary, mm-hmm. she wasn't written to be a black character, but they rewrote her subplot once she was cast to have it be like a racism subplot. Yeah, right. Which was interesting, and she has some some thoughts on that, which I'll get to later. Yeah, yeah, the interesting backstory uh, that they they had, uh, or like, yeah, that they cast her in this because it sounds like she didn't get like equal treatment throughout, and in like some of the promos. Yeah, yeah, like she was the only one of the four not to be invited to the MTV Movie Awards. Yeah, left mm-hmm. off some of the. I think her image was left off some of the promotional materials. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, th- it was progressive in some ways because the movie talked about racism and it was something that one of the characters was going through but um well i'll just read read the quote from rachel true if i can find it what did she oh she's like nancy's dealing with poverty in an abusive home bonnie has burns sarah has a suicidal past and me i'm just black i'm still the black best friend it's still that trope to be to a certain extent even in the craft sure yeah in a way that they're kind of like simplifying it or reducing her to that yeah like being black is her problem. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's still just the role of the black best friend. Yeah, and, and that's tough because it's great to see like a, a minority featured in the main cast here. But then, yeah, if you're just going to reduce them as like that becomes their plot point, that's, that's kind of uh, disappointing. Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, it was progressive for that time, but also problematic. Yeah. So I think she's, she's still glad that she took that role and that, like young women and young black women had that character but yeah mm-hmm. it wasn't all squeaky clean and, and problem free right right and the portrayal speaking of problematic like do you find it problematic that you had uh like the inception of this movie was the this producer and a writer who were like both like two middle-aged dudes uh trying to write a story about uh four high school girls battling uh or going through like witchcraft yeah i mean that is a problem a lot because <laughs> unfortunately so many movies are written and directed by men that you do get yeah. a lot of even the female driven stories are written from the male mind frame yeah yeah um i think they probably did a decent job with it but we can talk more about that at the end okay um but yeah do you did you see any essential problematic elements come through there or is that uh, going to be spoilerish yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when we get to the review, we can talk about like if if these two, uh, or yeah, if the story really did justice to like the the challenge these guys were going through. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, um, that's all the really interesting background info that I have aside from our Ohio connection. But do you have anything else? Um, you know, just uh, well, I, I guess two things. Like overall, uh, the cast here. Um, like, do do you feel like they've all kind of blew up after this film, or like this kind of uh open their careers in a big way like I, I don't know if I've seen Feruza much but I, I know she's done extra work but have you seen like these four represented in other works yeah that's a good point I didn't really talk much about the cast here um I mostly when I think of them I think of them from works of that time period mm-hmm. um and I think oftentimes movies that were even before this so I'm not sure that they totally blew up aside from Nev Campbell yeah and she just had like the Scream franchise yeah yeah, yeah, I mean, Robin Tunney, I recognize from Encino Man and Empire Records. Empire Re- Records was shooting at the same time. I think Encino Man was before this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was before this. Um, Feruza did The Water Boy, American History X, Almost Famous. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, Rachel True, not a ton of roles. Half-baked, some of the Sharknado movies, small TV roles. Right, right. She didn't really blow up. Even Nev Campbell, like, she hits the Scream franchise hard, but she wasn't yeah. in a ton of other stuff, really. Yeah, I think you're right. This was probably, like, peak time for, for these four, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And this director didn't, he's mostly TV. He didn't do a whole lot of stuff. I was I surprised. Yeah, I mean, given, like, the success of this film, it was, it was surprising to see he, he wasn't associated with, like, a lot of other big uh, blockbusters or... Like, yeah, the, the movie Dick or Hamlet 2, or I think he did, like, an episode of Rust of Development, but it's it's crazy that someone who did the craft is kind of, like, reduced to uh, uh, pretty small films, I guess, after that. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of times when we read off these other things people have done, we are a little bit dismissive of TV, which I think is unfair. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. once you get into that TV world, you get another TV job, and it's important, and you can do a lot of good work in TV, especially nowadays when TVs are... TV shows are, like, cinematic, you know? That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the bar for TV is pretty high these days. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's true. There's nothing to scoff at. And Arrested Development was a great show, too. Yeah. It's a good one. And the screenwriter Peter Filardi did uh, Salem's Lot mm-hmm. and Flatliners. Nice. So, yeah, he's done some stuff. Um, yeah. Do you, do you get the sense uh, that th- this film uh, wasn't as successful when it came out and made more money afterwards when it got picked up, or was this like a pretty big, like blockbuster hit right out the right out the gate? Yeah, I mean, fifty five point six is pretty pretty solid. It is right for yeah. that time period. Yeah, and it was that's profitable, I would imagine. And uh, yeah. but to your point, I'm sure it did really well on the back end with DVD sales because, like you said, it had a cult following, and I assume that cult following kept building yeah, for a few yes. years at least until the movie got dated. Sure. <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, the people who loved it back then are still purchasing. When they, they own the DVD, then they get the Blu-ray, etc. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, de- de- definitely hardcore fans uh yeah it's just weird because I've, I've seen the term like sleeper hit associated with this one and maybe they're just surprised with how well it did in the theaters yeah yeah maybe they weren't really expecting that and i mean nev yeah. campbell th- this wasn't chock full of big stars right right it was yeah. kind of like they broke they got famous as it was happening yeah like even nev campbell i think she was probably coming from like party of uh, or yeah party of five right yeah yeah i guess so, so. Yeah. yeah that's cool um, anything else or should we move on to the Ohio connection? Oh, last thing. <laughs> Sorry. Which <laughs> movies? I, I, I know we talk about this sometimes, uh, where every time we review which movie, but overall, like on that genre, uh, you're a fan of which films? I am. Yeah. I think you can do a lot with it and it can be a cool either villain or just it can become like a coming of age story like the craft is. So there's a lot that can be done with it. I'm I'm a fan. And it can either be very supernatural or more like holding a mirror up to society and uh with like bullying and persecution and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh yeah, I I feel uh, the same and I th- I think the best ones are the ones that do both of those, right? Like kind of have the layer of a supernatural thing that might be happening but then also kind of pointing a finger back at society on like the horrific past that uh have women in the U.S. Uh, was it? Yeah, I guess it wasn't just the U.S. It was also in the U.K. and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it was maybe even worse in the U.K. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it's it's yeah. it's interesting uh, story, and I like to see that brought up in horror films. Yeah. Um, I recently learned there was a Bible quote from the Book of Exodus. 
that says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, which I think influenced some of the, the witch trials. Wow. Wait, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live? Yeah, basically like you'd better kill a witch. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty direct. <laughs> yeah, that comes into a play into play for uh next week's episode. Um Yeah. Which we're gonna record after this. Cool. Yeah. Um can I please do the Ohio connection? Uh no, I got two more things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. All right. Our Ohio connection, as always, is done by our friend Alex. He connects each movie to our home state of Ohio for us. He is the owner of the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant, so be sure to go visit their socially distanced patio when they reopen in the spring. And Alex says, The craft features an ensemble cast of familiar faces. One noteworthy appearance is that of Brenda Strong, who is credited as Doctor in the film. Many, I love this, many will remember her role as Sue Ellen Mischke on Seinfeld, nicknamed the Brawless Wonder, an heiress to the O. Henry Candy Bar fortune. The origins of the O. Henry Candy Bar name is unconfirmed, but one myth is that it was named after O. Henry, o. Henry pen name for famous American short story writer William Porter. Porter, whose most famous work includes The Gift of the Magi, was arrested in 1898 for embezzling $854, and he was sentenced to three years at the Ohio State Penitentiary located in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, once he said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that doctor was Sue Ellen Mischke. Yeah. Which, is this the doctor, like, d- doing the, the scarring stuff on yeah. NF Campbell? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dude, I forgot. How... In speaking of familiar faces, Christine Taylor and Brecken Meyer are also in this too. Uh, who, who are they? Um, Christine Taylor is. She's in Zoolander, and I think she's Ben Stiller's wife. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And then Brecken Meyer was the skateboarding dude from Clueless, and I think he was in. Oh, what else was he in? Was he? Oh, in and he was trip? like he, he was like Skeet's friend, the the shorter guy. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those two looked very familiar. Yeah. Uh, okay, man, uh, let's move on, and we'll walk through the plot, and here come the spoilers, everybody. But, Ashwin, before we do that, can you hold on one second? I've, I think I've got to go to the bathroom real quick. Oh, sure. All right, I'll be right back. All right. Okay, buddy, I'm back. Sorry that took so long. Yeah, yeah, you okay? Yeah, I mean, I was going to use the bathroom down here, but then I noticed the toilet was full of maggots. Oh, man. Yeah. What happened? I thought about just being in the shower, but that was full of snakes. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, just one more thing to do on the home maintenance to-do list. <laughs> Clear out the shower and the toilet. <laughs> the do you ever have snakes. any experience with maggots? Uh, I don't think so. Just what I've seen in films. What about you? Yeah, they are gross. Uh, I was working a job once where I was cleaning out a trash can and it was full of maggots. And I feel like I remember accidentally dropping the thing that the maggots were on and they went everywhere and I had to like put on gloves and pick them all up individually. Oh my God. That'd be so scary because they're pretty small, right? They're pretty small. Yeah. It's just like they can get into anything. Yeah. They're, they're nasty. Yeah. Uh, and and I got the impression that everything you saw here, like the snakes, uh, even probably the maggots, but they were all real, right? All real. So gross. Very effective. 
who's harvesting all these maggots? <laughs> uh, good question. Maggot farmer. <laughs> just for just for films like these to come along. You uh, got a truck full of maggots we can mark. I recently learned on a podcast that they can be used to heal wounds. Oh, really? They like eat the dead tissue. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather die from the wound than have a maggot going at it. <laughs> that's that's pretty gross. You're going to thank me when you get hurt near my toilet and I can just <laughs> scoop them out of there and throw them on your wound. <laughs> just start throwing maggots at people. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, at the beginning of this movie, we meet Sarah, who's just moved to L.A. from San Francisco, and she's struggling to fit in at school until Bonnie, played by Nev Campbell, notices that Sarah can make her pencil stand up on its own. She notices her doing this secretly at her desk. So, this group of three girls who are outcasts and rumored to be witches, they take Sarah under their wing, hoping that they've found the fourth member of their coven. And we get some background info background info on all of them. Sarah's mom, we know, died giving birth to her, and she's tried to kill herself in the past. Nancy Feruzabak lives in a trailer with her mom and her mom's abusive boyfriend and just generally has a bad home life. Bonnie's body is covered in burn scars that she's embarrassed by and keeps hidden, and Rochelle is bullied by racists at school. Uh, Ashwin, what did you think of the setup here, the, both the characters and, and the performances in this this backstory section of the movie? Um, you know, I, I thought uh, Nancy did a lot of overacting. Like, her, her character, I think, comes off as, like, this kind of, like, got the very, like, rebel type. Uh, but I, I think it's, like, a little bit overacted and, like, exaggerated. Maybe, uh, I, I don't know if you felt like that was out of place, but it kind of hit me as a, a little bit out of place uh, with everything else that was going on. Uh, but overall, I, I just feel like the, the friendship aspect of this was, like, really rushed. Like, we didn't really get any scenes of, like, uh, great, like, uh, friendship building. And they're kind of, like, standoffish to her. At least Nancy is. Uh, to Sarah in the beginning, so it, interesting that like uh, these four like kind of become close friends without like too much of uh, too much scene time spent towards that. Uh, what, what did you think? Yeah, it's rough at first, but then as we go on here, I do think that they bond organically and learn what they can do and share that shared experience bonds them a little bit. And like the yeah. light as a feather, stiff as a board moment. Yeah, yeah, I think once, like, yeah, they start exploring witchcraftery more, uh, yeah, you're right, that, that that kind of helps build that connection more. Yeah, it's rocky at first, and I do think Feruza over, is over the top. Yeah. Um, I even think Robin Tunney can be, too, in her weird way, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Feruza, it's a mixed bag. I feel like I sometimes can't really decide if it works or if it's too much. She, she's hamming it up, for sure. Yeah, there are certain scenes where it's like it's spot on, but then I, I feel like that was like twenty percent of the time, and the eighty, the the rest of the time she was just like at a whole nother level than maybe what the role was. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then, uh, what about like like the boyfriend and stuff? Like, did you feel like that was well developed? Because uh, I was really surprised they started like dating so quickly. Yeah, and it didn't even seem like it was a full-on date. They were just, like, together in this random situation, and then he kissed her. Yeah, And then, right. so, yeah, this is Skeet Ulrich's character, I think, Chris. And Nancy warns uh, Sarah about him, and it's like, he's an asshole. But the next day, he's spreading rumors at school that they slept together, and he's generally just a horrible person to her. 
But she's and still like got a crush on him though, right? She's still into them, into him despite this, which seems a bit unrealistic, but uh, we've all been in high school. Sure. So this kind of leads them to this point where they start using their powers to better their own situations. So Sarah casts a love spell on this dude, Chris. Rochelle casts a revenge spell on Christine Taylor, who is the main bully and racist. Bonnie casts a beauty spell for her burns to go away, and Nancy tries to cast a spell of power. It's unclear exactly actually what she intends the consequences to be of that spell. But the results start to take place, and this dude Chris is now obsessed with Sarah. Uh, Rochelle's bully, Christine Taylor, her hair starts falling out. Bonnie's burn star scars slough off as the brawless wonder uh, <laughs> performs some work on her back. And Nancy essentially causes her mom's dipshit boyfriend to have a heart attack and die, mm-hmm. which allows them to cash in on the life insurance policy and move into a nice apartment, which they really... <laughs> <laughs> was, this, was there something shocking in this part for you? <laughs> I mean, they won like $175,000 and yeah. then move into this like million dollar apartment. <laughs> yeah. It's like Malibu or something. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah Oceanfront right? property. Yeah. That, <laughs> that might have been the most like unbelievable part about this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It, it was the 90s. So potentially, I like how low were real estate pr- prices back then in LA? Well, that translates, I did the math, to $300,000 in today's dollars. Um, but yeah I don't think you it's feasible that they could have been rented renting that apartment and bought all that nice furniture but they would run out of money quick I think yeah 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 that's that's funny watching them react to 175,000 yeah (laughs) that's good and you know when when you've never experienced that kind of money like yeah it's it sounds like a I think anybody once they start making money is like this sounds like a lot of money and you realize yeah. how how things don't really go. <laughs> I feel like there were a lot of memes recently about like the government stimulus, like $600 is what rich people think, <laughs> poor people think is a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, there's a liberating, liberating aspect to it that you, you feel with the characters in this one. Uh, yeah. But yeah, given LA and everything, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's not going to last too long. Yeah. So as they progress here and things start to go better for the group they kind of rise as they rise in their power they gain a lot of swagger uh what did you think about this part of the movie like you can tell a big part of this movie is seeing outcasts rise and you know the bullies get their comeuppance and the outcasts they don't become popular but like you know they're starting to turn heads and stuff yeah, they they kind of do, and uh, you can kind of see it with the dress code, right? And I think someone made this quote. One of the actresses said, "Like as their powers grow, their uh, the length of their skirt like starts to uh, yeah, their skirts decrease, get right? shorter." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, and that was something I was really confused about because I thought this was like a Catholic school because their um, uh, scenes were like everyone's like in uniform and stuff. Uh, but then yeah, once like their powers start breaking and they become like the the more it like in inside girls or the the more like kind of popular ones, like fashion obviously kind of takes a turn. So, uh, yeah, it's just like a, a funny aspect of this movie that isn't really consistent with like the setting, but kind of a funny way to show like how their uh, status is maybe changing. What, what, yeah. do, what do you think? As someone who went to a Catholic high school, I can say there's a lot of leeway in what how people will dress while still following the school uniform code. 
Yeah. You so know. so th- this stuff, this is like how it goes? Yeah, for sure. I mean, people people wore their uniforms differently sure, and would sure. get slaps on the wrist accordingly, depending on <laughs> who the teacher was. Did, <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so I definitely remember the witches who were rising you know, in power getting getting a little <laughs> bit more uh, ballsy with what kind of skin they would show. Yeah, I was wondering if you were one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were your shorts like going up every day? <laughs> They're like Brian's right. really coming into his power. Yeah, see how high he's wearing his shorts. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and, and you know, with the with the other movie we're gonna watch too, which is also like high school related. Uh, these movies are always kind of funny because they always have that trope where, um, like, a rumor is getting out or like someone's changing, and like the way they show that is they're walking down a hallway and like basically everyone's turning around and looking at them, uh, which that that never happens, right? <laughs> Did, did that no. happen at- I mean, you know, yes. I think a little bit more surreptitiously than you see in the movies. Yeah. It's yeah, not so as obvious, like, oh, but you got to yeah. show it somehow. I guess, I guess. Rumors getting around means everyone's turning around, like stopping what they're doing and looking at you. But we're from this time period and you being a 37-year-old man, were you <laughs> able to watch this and like pump your fist a little bit or were you just like, this is kind of cheesy? Uh, I thought it was kind of cheesy because I also think that these four, like, yeah, I know they're supposed to be outcasts, but they were actually, like, pretty cool. And I, I wonder, like, if you've got four friends like that and you're in this, like, clique, are you really the outcasts or were, were they cool the whole time and then just becoming cooler? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way it goes a lot of times in high school. Like, the outcasts are really pretty solid, interesting people, but that's yeah. not kind of the kind of person that gets elevated in a lot of social circles. In high school, especially the beginning. I found that by the end of high school, the losers in freshman year were the cool kids senior year. Yeah. It was like, oh, these are actually interesting people that aren't just like attractive dopes. Exactly. And like the whole idea of like idolizing like just attractive people uh, or like, yeah, the the, the more kind of straightforward kinder is kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, I still was, maybe it was my nostalgia, but I was, I was happy for the ladies here you, you were rooting for them you're like these underdogs way to go yeah i like those moments and there was a really cool moment where i can't remember where they were going maybe they took a bus to some field to do some witchcraftery and the bus driver watches them get out and says you girls watch out for those weirdos and then fruza turns around and goes we are the weirdos mister yeah so that was I, cool. i'm sure that like was a, a big moment for a lot of young yeah. ladies in 1996 so yeah, and it was that, a big moment for me too. Sure. Yeah, I, I like that too. Like that element of like kind of embracing your identity and and just like you know being who you are. And right. then that and, and I love that scene too because uh, when they're in the woods or whatever, there's like really that friendship bond forming between the four of them, and I think they like say some beautiful things to each other. So it's it's a good powerful scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course things start to go south. Nancy gets power hungry and invokes the spirit of Manon, who is like their god essentially. She invokes that into her, and she gets reckless, cocky, and kind of meaner. And their spells start to go to extremes, and they see the results get worse, essentially. Like, Rochelle starts to feel bad, and she sees sees Christine Taylor on the floor of the locker room crying, practically bald. Um, Bonnie starts to get really narcissistic, narcissistic and thinks she's the shit. And Chris goes so far as to attempt to rape Sarah, which is pretty heavy. Yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah, 
Part of me was like, well, that would be enough to give it an R, but look at Back to the Future. Uh, oh, wait, that happened in Back to the Future? Yeah, Biff essentially tries to rape uh, uh, Marty's mom. mom. Yeah, right, right. Um, so here at the midpoint of the movie, Nancy, uh, who still seems to have maybe some feelings for Chris or be jealous of him, Chris is the one who is obsessed with Sarah because of the love spell. Nancy goes to a party and uses a spell to look like Sarah and hook up with Chris. Sarah goes in there to stop her. A fight ensues, and Nancy freaks out and telekinetically shoves Chris out the window, and he dies. Did you understand her game here? Because, uh, yeah, why did she like transform herself into Sarah to sleep with Chris? I can't quite remember. I think maybe it was just jealousy and anger. Okay, so there was like some underlying friction or yeah, some jealousy potentially between Nancy and Sarah and that's why she did this. Yeah, I think so. And she, I think, had a pretty bad breakup with Chris previously and was probably still bitter about that. Mm, okay. Um, how did you feel about Feruza's performance at this point? It was probably the most balls to the wall that she was, but mm-hmm. maybe it worked the best here because of the extreme scene. Yeah, I actually thought like in in this one uh, I was on board with it because like you, you have this guy who just basically almost uh, raped one of her friends and she's like really turning on him and, and giving it to him. So uh, yeah, I, I liked how like she calls him out on it. Uh, so it, 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 this is probably the part I was rooting for them uh, the most. Uh, what, what about you? What did you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even though it's a uh, a evil action, it does have a, a very like comeuppance and. Uh, this is the type of shit person you are, Chris, moment to it as well. So mm-hmm. I like in these movies where you have a mixed bag of feeling like vengeance has been gotten, but it's not not good at the same time. Like a, like a Batman type feeling where like the, you have a vigilante who's like exacting justice, but maybe not in like the best way. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Although Batman would never do this. <laughs> you don't think he'd show up and kick a guy out of a bedroom? He would never make himself look like Robin. <laughs> and sleep with him. <laughs> hook up with Alfred. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I, think, I felt like it was justified. and it, it didn't feel like too evil or scary, but, but did you think so? Um, no, no, I don't think so. I think the movie doesn't really get scary until kind of coming up here. Yeah, okay. Um. So Sarah attempts a binding spell on Nancy to keep her from hurting herself or anyone else because she's like, this This has gone too far. But it's basically against coven policy and all the girls turn on her and they start trying to make her life miserable. And in the final showdown there at her house, they trick her into thinking her parents or her dad and stepmother have been killed in a plane crash. They cover her house with the bugs, snakes, maggots, and they try to get her to kill herself. How did you feel about this scene? It starts you to know, get a little spooky, traditional spooky here. Yeah, like I, I love the effects of like the snakes and the bugs uh, we talked about. Like those, those some pretty gross out stuff uh, going on in the house and like the rats falling on them. Uh, so, so that was cool. But I was also like really confused. Like were the parents really dead or was this like a trick? Um, I also, I, I still like wasn't understanding why the other two girls were backing up Nancy so much and not like seeing that, you know, Nancy's kind of out of control here with, with what she's doing to... Uh, Sarah so I, I was I guess overall a little bit confused and then uh, I know Sarah like was also on a journey to like discover her own powers and uh, yeah I, I guess I was waiting for her to kind of like turn turn on these guys and start using those powers uh, but uh, overall a little bit confused just on trying to understand what the rules are and where these characters are coming from uh, yeah what, what about I th- you? 
that was the hardest point to swallow for me is how quickly Bonnie and Rochelle turned on Sarah. Yeah. And sided right. with with Nancy. Yeah. Who was just I think, very clearly reckless. Right. And it, it sounds like there was a scene potentially where that's like explained more, where like there's more of a confrontation that puts them on Nancy's side. But yeah. But that was like cut from the film, right? Yeah, it was. They cut it. I think they they realized some other scenes didn't work as well with that in there. Yeah. Um, so at Sarah's lowest point in this battle, she invokes Manon into herself and scares away Bonnie and Rachel. They look in a mirror and Bonnie sees herself covered with burns and Rochelle sees her hair falling out. So they scurry away and she eventually defeats Nancy by successfully performing a binding spell on her. Mm. And Ashvin, I think, like you were saying, the bugs and the critters were really effective and you've got like the, um... The girl's levitating at one point. There's a thunderstorm outside. It's kind of creepy to me, or at yeah. least um, checking the spooky boxes off the horror checklist. Sure. But the visual effects here start to undercut some of the effectiveness of this scene, in my opinion. Really? Like you could tell it was really fake or heavy CGI? Yeah. I mean, there's a scene where Sarah gets pinned under a dresser and Nancy's digging through the rubble to try to find her and she finds her clothes. And then Sarah just appears in her clothes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even understand the point of that, and it it looked kind of bad. And then Nancy is made to envision her limbs or fingers or whatever turning into snakes and bugs coming out of her mouth. Yeah. And so they've gone from practical pretty much the whole movie to to visual effects at this point. Um, Sure. And I kind of thought it it really took some of the wind out of the sails of the conclusion here. Did you notice that or not as much? I think so too. I mean, I felt like this whole act like dragged on for a long time, and uh, yeah, they they kind of got a little sloppy with this whole action sequence. Because uh, yeah, that that part where like she's being slammed against a dresser, but then it, just her clothes are there, uh, is, is really weird. And the whole kind of witch on witch like fighting scene, I, I, I didn't really like understand or follow most of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you that that uh, it got kind of I don't know, it got kind of tiring actually. Yeah, and it feels like there's a lot more that they could have done with it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I liked the build up with the critters and the intimidation, but they 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 kind of squandered it. Sure, and then yeah, just having like those uh, having Rochelle and uh, what's the other girl's name? Bonnie. Oh yeah, and Bonnie just kind of like run off because they saw their reflection. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was strange. Yeah. So in the resolution, Bonnie and Rochelle come to Sarah's house to apologize, but Sarah's kind of you know all standoffish and cocky, and they tell her that their powers have gone away. And Sarah, like, throws a branch at them to let them know she's still got hers and that they'd better be careful. Yeah. And, or they'll end up like Nancy, and then they, they cut to Nancy in an asylum, uh, essentially gone mad. Right. Wasn't, and I did not like how cocky Sarah was. Like, yeah, I don't know. She's kind of got the, like, white witch vibe, but she's ends up kind of mirroring Nancy and her behavior and, like, taunting sure. them and stuff, which is... You know, supposed to be like, all right, now Sarah's got the power, but it comes off as insis- insincere for Sarah's character. Yeah, because especially during that last fight scene, like Sarah is kind of seen as like nonviolent, like she's just kind of binding everyone else's power and like not really trying to hurt them, but just show them like the actions that they've done. So yeah, you kind of just think she's like this peaceful person the whole time. So yeah. maybe that does kind of come out of nowhere, like lightning at a branch and throwing it at them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a little out of character, and I, I'm not always wild about Robin Tunney's acting in this movie. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you, you talking about the scene where she's running from the, uh, on the street somewhere at night or something? It's it's, it's a really funny run. <laughs> did you see that I one? No, I didn't notice anything about her stride. Oh, okay. I'll have to take your word for it. But I just thought a, f- a few of, a few scenes with her were a little clunky. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah, that, that scene is really weird where the, the two girls come to apologize to her. They're like, oh, hopefully you know by now that, like, uh, we were just tricking you about your parents that didn't actually die. Which, like, her dad's, like, in the background, so you know that her dad didn't die. Yeah, so and, like, they tried to kill her, so they were like, we're cool, yeah, sorry, right? Sorry about that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a really weird tone. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't sure what to make with that. Yeah, so we've kind of peppered in the reviews throughout, but what do you think of this movie as a whole? Uh, as a whole, like I, I had a hard time getting behind it, man. I mean, I, I, I kind of watched this and thought it was like hot garbage. Just like the plot line uh, felt very choppy. The the story and like the character development didn't make sense. The dialogue wasn't that smart. Uh, and like even the relationship building, which yeah, I, I hear a point. Like once they start diving into the witchery, it uh, it's it starts to work a lot better because you have like these four people who are discovering their powers together. Uh, but outside of that, like just how they become powerful and then like kind of turn on each other. Um, and like kind of become like who everything like they hated, I guess, uh, in a way. And then like that ending resolve, like it just didn't really make sense from a whole like character arc of like where everyone ended up. And like, was this a testament of the outsiders becoming friends and like coming together to defeat, uh, bullying and like the mainstream or, uh, was this, um, more like of four individuals who became friends, uh, then tried to kill each other. And then at the end, they're all separated again. So, uh, yeah, I was just super lost on, like, what the point of this film was. Uh, what, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it kind of starts off as this film about outcasts banding together, like, coming into their own and being comfortable with who they are. But then it kind of turns into a cautionary tale. And I think yeah. that's where it loses a lot of what it builds up in the first half of the movie. And I'm conflicted about this because I, I actually really like the first half. I don't really think it was that choppy. Um, I see what you mean about their relationships kind of feeling forced at the beginning, but then they seem to ease into it. And as they go through these experiences together, they do seem to bond more. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really on board with that. And I liked the, um, the theme, really, Sarah's theme, is it's kind of a coming-of-age tale and coming into her power and making peace with who she is. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, once they go cautionary tale route, then they end up pulling the rug out of any of the relationship building that happened early on. Right, um, yeah. And Sarah's just completely on her own. They don't get closer because of any of this. Like, Maybe it would have been better if Nancy almost tore them apart but didn't. Yeah, and like the remaining three, like stay on as friends or something. Yeah, yeah. Then, but I, I guess maybe it's a story about individualism, really, when viewed at through Sarah's lens. Yeah, um, uh, if you're talking about individualism, though, uh, I, I feel like this is where the movie might do some injustice because for each of the characters, we see such little of their background. We're like. Uh, all we know about like Bonnie is that she has like something on her back that uh, she feels very self-conscious about and, and needs to get rid of it. All, all we know about Rochelle is she's you know being bullied as or sorry not Rochelle but Rachel. Uh, oh yeah, sorry Rochelle. <laughs> you <laughs> got that, it right. Yeah, is that she's being uh, bullied for like her her race and and uh, Sarah too. Um, uh, yeah, Sarah we know she's like a the her mom's dead. So like I feel like each character is basically reduced to, like one piece of like background information. 
So like, do we know enough about them to say like we're on like a journey with them on to discover their individualism? I think we're on a journey with Sarah to discover her individualism. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really end up being a journey about friendship after all. Yeah. But I okay. think with four people, I hear what you're saying. They're a bit one dimensional, but I think that's all you really needed in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you see their flaws and you see how their flaws get turned into strength. Uh, and then their next flaw is that strength taken too far. You know, the self-confidence becomes narcissism with Bonnie, for example. Yeah. I think that's enough to do with four characters while you're also trying to weave a, really just the arc of Sarah individually. Sure. Um, I can see how that could come off as one-dimensional, but I, it wasn't to me. Yeah, sure. And, and then, uh, I mean, yeah, the idea of like them uh, coming together to address their flaws and come into their own. Is it addressing your flaw if basically you're tapping into like, uh, you know, a, a power that's letting you like get rid of your flaw and like put it onto others in a way? I mean, like their perceived idea of like their flaws and like uh, being able to like kind of turn these powers onto people. Is that really like, uh, is, is that uh, really the, the, like the, the moral or like the, them coming into their own? Yeah. I mean, perhaps the moral is that you've got to own your flaws and not shortcut your way out of them i guess through witchcraft yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh, okay um, so you think that's maybe like the underlying message here i don't know i guess i don't totally know what the message is i think the message what i guess i would guess the people that love this movie take away from this this just the theme of outcasts and being an outcast and then coming into your power and oh yeah not maybe even for the movie as a whole but those moments that like we are the weirdos mister like it gives you enough of those moments to be on board with this group even though the group yeah. falls apart mm-hmm. um yeah. i don't know that and that's like a huge trend in the 90s I feel, I feel like you had these movies like uh disturbing behavior maybe the faculty which are all about like the the losers or the underdogs coming together to like take down the the mainstream so yeah, it seems in place with like what else was kind of being idolized back then. Yeah. And I also think, even though it's kind of low-key and you could look, not even notice it, because some of it doesn't happen until the end, they weave in a lot of like classic horror elements too. Like I'm tempted to call it gothic. Mm. There's spells, there's lightning storms, which, you know, ooh, great lightning storm. But it just all fits the vibe. The bugs everywhere is levitating. You get a scene where the girls come into... Sarah's room in the middle of the night, very wraith-like flying in. It was almost universal horror in some aspects of the movie. There's shape-shifting, just a lot of fun classic elements. Yeah, sure. Um, And and yeah, you're right. Like Most of those like practical effects are pretty good probably until the end. Yeah, yeah. So I like that about it too. Um, Yeah. Right. I guess we'll just cut to the ratings. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little conflicted on mine. So uh, let's see. Well, can, can I ask you one or two questions more? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Interview so me. What, what was the deal with the guy at the beginning with the snake who shows up? And then you see him later. He like chases them down the streets. Uh, did you ever tie that to anything? That was weird. That was weird. He was like, he played like the harbinger of doom role. Right. He just came into Sarah's house and said things aren't going to go well for you or something. And then he runs into her on the street and says, I had a dream that you were dead and he's chasing her. And then a car hits him 
and they yeah. all realize that they think they made that car hit him. Oh, okay. So that's, that's kind of their first bonding over powers moment where they think they did that. Sure. Um, and that then, was odd you, and unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I was wondering if that was going to come back, but it didn't seem like it did. And then uh, the last question I had for you was, uh, oh, were they all witches or was Sarah a witch? And because she was joining up with them, they got their powers. Because they didn't have powers before she came onto the picture, but she could make pencils move beforehand. She was a pencil witch. And okay. The, no. She was <laughs> born a natural witch, and so was her mother. Right. These other girls were practicing witchcraft, and the only way they had any real power was being in the coven with Sarah, essentially. Got it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. They were okay. essentially not leeching off her power, but that was how they got their power, and once the coven was split up, they lost access to that. Okay, and, and so Manon uh, was like a legit thing? Manon, yeah, I, they always pronounce it Manon. Oh, yeah, Manon. Um, yeah, I mean, he's legit. Oh, okay. He is, okay. He's their god, essentially. Got it, and, and that's like kind of who Sarah like kind of devotes herself to at the end to get like the powers that she needs to defeat them. Right, and I think Nancy truly did invoke Manon into herself as well, but it was leveraging Sarah's power to do so. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. Thanks. Thanks for explaining that. That that makes sense. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been cool to see more of uh of uh of like yes. I mean, I, I like that part of like Sarah kind of like using this as a way to learn more about her mother and connect to her uh, heritage. That was a, that was a fun part. Um. All right. Well, zero to five people turning their heads as you walk down a hallway in slow motion. What do you give this? <laughs> oh man, this is. I think this is gonna be pretty controversial. But I I only give this a one and a half uh, people turning their heads while I walked down the hallway. <laughs> uh, just, <laughs> and it's just because you've got toilet paper on your shoe. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That that makes a lot more sense. If it's like something like that that you can see and point to, I, I think that makes sense. <laughs> Then, then everyone's in on it. Okay, man. Ouch. I think that might piss some people off. I think so, too. What do you think? This is like Nightmare on Elm Street all over again. I know. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. Well, man, I had a four written down. Holy shit. But I think some of that, if I can check myself, may be coming from nostalgia. I do think a lot of what the movie gains, it squanders at the end and things kind of fall apart when Bonnie and Rochelle turn on a dime and when the final showdown, which starts off really cool in my opinion, gets a little visual effects heavy and silly um, yeah. and not quite as cathartic as you would want it to be. Right. I think I'm going to tone that down to a three and a half. Damn, that's still pretty generous. I'm, I'm impressed. I just think it's an enjoyable movie to watch. I thought the characters were, um, you know, the acting is a little over the top sometimes, but with Feruza, I do think most of the time it works and you have to settle into it too like at the beginning of the movie you're like whoa but yeah. then once you get used to it it kind of works um, sure yeah yeah it, yeah that, that's true it, it isn't it's, it's not as shocking as when you first see it yeah and i think that their relationships felt authentic to me um and i, I like them bonding as outcasts i think it was really a competently done movie too in terms of editing and the score maybe a, a, lit, a bit less uh, horrible 90s covers in there would have been fine but all <laughs> yeah, technical aspects of the movie aside from yeah. some um, dated visual effects at the end were really good 
Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's an easy movie to watch. Some of this viewing might be affected by I rarely get the house mostly to myself, and my wife was out having a bonfire with friends, so I settled up with some popcorn and had the whole living room to myself. So I enjoyed it. It is a popcorn movie to me, mm. but I think some of that, those themes about the coming of age and coming into your own bumped it up yeah. to a four for me. But I hear a lot of your criticisms, so... My yeah. four is now self-conscious. I can't decide. You know what? I'm going to take a page out of Sarah's book, and I'm going to confidently step into my four. I'm going to keep oh, it as a four. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think it's a really fun watch. You don't you don't find it problematic that like by the end of the film, like I agree with you, like coming of age portion is great. People bonding together, uh, you know, coming to terms with themselves and like kind of uh, embracing that. But the fact that like at the end of the film, uh, none of the characters are like likable anymore, like the people you were rooting for in the beginning. You don't feel like that like diminishes or, or like I don't know just like unravels the whole film. I do think it takes a lot away, um, which is why I'm self conscious about the four. <laughs> but I think it was still a fun ride. Yeah, yeah. Ah, shit! I'm so on the fence. <laughs> I'm gonna. I think a, I think a three point five is is the right the right place to be. All right. Hey, yeah, you don't have to change it, man. If if, if you had a good time, you should. Uh, yeah, you know, embrace it and play to your witch powers here and. Thanks, Go, man. I'm gonna, raise, I'm gonna, raise your shorts up. I'm gonna. I, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. People are gonna see that dark curly hair against that bright white <laughs> skin that the sun has not touched. <laughs> and I'm gonna feel good about it. Yes. The world needs to see that part of Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm bummed because uh, you're right. It, it is a fun watch, uh, and I, I know this has like a huge legacy and. Uh, people, it means a lot to like a lot of people. Um, and I, you know, I wonder if like, if I'd seen it at a younger age, if I would have had more of like that kind of nostalgic, uh, feeling and bond with it. But yeah, as, as like a mid-aged, uh, adult, it's, it's kind of hard to bond with it, I guess. Wow. All right. So a three and a half. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a four. I'm doing okay. a four. And that combined with your one and a half is what? Like a 2.75 average. Sure. All right. So yeah. Barely has the HMC seal of approval. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, we're going to get a lot of heat on this one, aren't we? <laughs> I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see what people think. I haven't actually discussed this movie with anybody since I was a kid. So uh, okay. so I don't know. I'm not very in touch with the uh, how, how the fan base feels about this. So okay. I'm sure we'll hear from people. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Feel free to let us know. Uh, anything else, Ashwin, before we start uh, to wrap up here? That's all I got. Cool. Well, that has been our... our uh, very conflicted discussion on the craft from 1996 we hope you enjoyed it if you did you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts. that helps other people find our show and we really appreciate it if you want to connect with us you can go to horrormovieclub.com click on the social links or yeah social links drop down and you can find facebook and twitter where we will post what movie we're going to cover next week i'll just tell you right now that it's carrie next week um there's also a link to our Discord server there where you can come hang out with us and a whole bunch of other movie fans who are always talking about horror movies or just shooting the shit, and it's a fun place to be. So if you're feeling isolated after nearly a year of the pandemic, hop on to our Discord server and chat with some people. Our logo is done by Amy May Pop Art. You can check out her horror art at, Amy May, or at Etsy.com by searching Amy May Pop Art, all one word. We've got patreon content out there you can go to patreon.com slash horror movie club and for a buck a month you can hear some bonus content we should be putting some more out there soon 
And until next time, everybody, for your own good, just stay away from Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> oh, man. He will either try to rape you or kill you. I know. That was a bad year for this guy. <laughs> <laughs>